0: Malachi, third chapter, seventh verse. When the pages quit flipping, I'll read. Everybody, all right. Seventh verse. Malachi is just the last book in the old new in the Old Testament. Maybe this microphone. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye say, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith. Saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven... Pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. All nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we should keep his ordinance, and that we walk mournfully before the Lord of hosts? But now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, that that tempt the God are even delivered, or tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them, as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth not. I'm going to ask Brother Bud, if he would, to ask the blessing on the reading of God's Word. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Now, I'll bet you thought that I was going to preach on tithes and offerings, didn't you? How many thought that? Well, you're wrong. I used this in order to extract, I thought it would be good what God has to say. And I thought it is God's word and that it speaks for itself. It doesn't need any adding to it or taking away from it. But I read the whole chapter so you could see what God's controversy with Israel at that time was. But the seventh verse I would like to draw your attention to that says, Even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye say, Wherein shall we return? And I couldn't help but be caught and fascinated by the plea that seemed to be upon the lips of Almighty God as he stood and looked at a rebellious house of Israel from every point, from every standpoint. They had done just almost everything imaginable to their God. They had uh, cursed him. They had robbed him. They had disobeyed his laws. They had walked against his teachings. They had lived under the covenant of God and prospered because God was still uh, willing and able. And yet, in spite of all of this, I was fascinated by the word, Return unto me, and I will return unto you. And uh, also I was fascinated by their answer when they said, Wherein shall we return? Now the danger that they faced then and we face today is not necessarily departing from God or departing from God's laws, although this is bad enough, and we should keep ourselves in close enough contact with God that we could do everything that he asks us to do But the danger comes when we become like Israel of old, when we can transgress and trespass God's laws and be disobedient to his laws and do the things that we know that is contrary to what he says and still somewhere somehow our heart within us dictates to us that it's all right. And to hear the pleading voice of God here that says, now, in spite of everything that you have done, In spite of all the misery that you have put me through. And God is a God of healing. He hurts. Just like you and I, we can hurt him like we can hurt one another. And after everything he says that you have put me through. After all the disobediences. After setting up idols when I was your God. I led you out from under bondage from Israel and I opened the Red Sea, and they gave you bread from heaven and water from the rock, and gave you the cities at uh, your request, and all of this. And still you turned and set up idols and other gods, and turned from me and robbed me, he says, this whole nation, and spoke evil against me. And in spite of everything that you have done, God says simply, if you will return to me, I will return to you. And this is beyond human imagination. I stopped long enough to just ponder over the statement of God and then look up some of the other places where he had said often, Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Then another place he says, If thou wilt return, saith the Lord, return unto me. And then another place he says, return every man from his evil ways. I stopped long enough to ponder those words and tried my best to enter in to the feelings of God as he stood on occasions and said, Now, children, you are mine and I have dedicated you to me. I have given my life for you. And you have walked away from me in your ways and your desires. But I'm not ready to cast you off yet. I'm not desirous of rubbing your name out from the Lamb's book of life. Everything that is within me, he cries out and then and he still does. Everything within me cries out for your return. And if I can just find one way, one chance, that you're going to return to me, then just as swiftly will I run and find you. And the danger is not in departing from God so much. The danger is departing from him so much and so long that we would stand and say, as they said, "'Wherein shall we return?' Why, God, we've never been away from you. We've never done any of these things. What have we got to repent over? I thought of this and I thought of lives my own. I thought of lives in the congregation and lives in other places that I have been that set relatively in the same danger. With God saying, your life as it was when I called you, when I honored you with my blessedness and with my power and with my spirit, your life can be just like it was then. If you will return to me, then I will return to you. And oftentimes we get the answer and we have to be truthful. Oftentimes we give God the answer, well, what have I done? What have I got to repent over? What have I got to come back to you for? Actually, in other words, if we haven't become an adulterer, or adulteress, if we haven't murdered anybody, if we haven't committed any of the heinous crimes that the world commit, we're just very apt to think, as Israel thought, I really don't have any place to go back. I really don't need to return to God. And they said, at wherein shall we return? God, what in heaven's name have we done? And yet a whole list of things God had against them, But he didn't cry out to them that they might recognize these and that he might damn them by that. But he recognized that and cried out in that area simply to challenge their heart and get them to come back to him. Oft times when God deals with our lives, he's not a type of a god, a sadist that wants to make us feel bad. That wants us to to feel convicted or condemned in every way and walk around in our whole life like that. He moves upon us for one simple reason, that we belong to Him, and He wants to keep us, and He asks us to return. And He said, if you will return, then I will return to you. And I pondered that, how God could love that much, and how God could bless that much, and how God could care that much. And I begin to look over my own life and my own thoughts. And I'm sure I I only speak for myself. I'm sure you can probably identify with a lot of my feelings. I look over lives that have one time been good and honest before God, that have taken a wayward path. They walk uh, completely out of the will of God. And uh, sometimes in their heart they want to make an effort to do something for God, to right themselves. And the first thing I know, if I'm not careful as well as you, I'll be sitting in the seat of judgment and wondering how in the world, after what they have done and after the things that they have said and the life they have lived and the things that they have taken away from God, they're non non-committal to God, how in the world could God ever return to them? And yet, Completely as the word is, still remains, in fact, the same way that if we will make an effort to return to God, His promise is that He will return to us. But first of all, there must be an admission on our part, within our heart, looking over our lives as to what area we have left God in. I feel like perhaps this morning that I'm speaking to some of us that are simply uh, in, in our own heart are failing to look at ourselves as we should. We look at ourselves as being devout Christians, perhaps prayer warriors, or individuals that really don't have any reason to come back to God because we've never gone away. But yet if we would be truthful someplace in our lives, there's been areas that we have simply departed from God and departed from God's laws and departed from the things He's commanded of us. And He doesn't condemn us and damn us. And He speaks to us and says, If you will return to me, I will return to you. In other words, you're my child and I don't want to cast you off. I want you where you one time was. And, of course, if we're as Israel old, we stand and look at it and say, Wherein shall we return? And then they say, Wherein have we spoken against you? You see, their words had been directed to idols. Their prayers had went to idols. Their life had been lived by idols. And although maybe they've never said anything directly against Jehovah, which is doubtful they did because they still reverenced him in a sense. But they wanted to be like the world. They had to have their other gods so they could look like that and still try to retain their Jehovah as the one that would supply all their needs. So undoubtedly, they didn't come out with a direct accusation to their Jehovah God. They simply spoke against Him by giving honor and obeisance to somebody other than He. It was their actions that cried and not their speech. And let's face it this morning. Let's face our hearts, our own hearts this morning, and see if times we have not by our actions spoken against our God. We don't directly just accuse Him of not being this, that, or something else, but to run somewhere else to try to find satisfaction when God alone is the author of this. We have spoken against Him as a God that's not able to give us this to find peace and love and joy, to go to some place outside of God of heaven. We have spoken against Him and shown to the world that He is not able to bring this to us. We have spoken against Him. And yet Israel had done it in such a way that they thought their God wouldn't notice it, I suppose. And they simply said, Where have we spoken against You? What have we said against Thee? And I looked at that and I thought, And this will be using some older scriptures. But the most classic example, I suppose, of God's love, and uh, it was reiterated time and time again in uh, St. Luke, and just you'll know where it is, when he was talking about the son that left his father's house. And there's so much in this, and it's been preached every direction But I want to use it in this fashion, in this vein of of thinking this morning about returning to the Father's house. The Bible says he took all that he had and squandered it and wasted it. Took his life, so to speak, that was uh, oriented toward God, took that which his father had and took it and left his father's house and squandered his goods and ended up at a pig pen and lost all the dignity that he ever had And finally he come to his senses. And he said, even the servants in my father's house have more to eat than I have. I know what I'll do. And this is a heart that every one of us ought to have. I know what I'll do. I will arise and I will go to my father's house. I will go where one time I once was and felt all the presence and power of God and now here I am. I'll recognize this and I'll go to Him and I'll say, Lord, I have sinned against You and against Your house and I want to come back. And I would be willing to come back as a servant. This is what we need to do. But the, the love that God manifests The thing that he exhibits there is beyond my imagination. I don't understand it. The father, it says, saw him. First off, this young man, followed by his father's prayers, anxieties, couldn't get away from the life he had in his father's house. And yet this young man had to be the one to say, I will return. And brings you again to those words, If you will return unto me, I will return unto you. But it was out of the Father's hands when he left the house. He could do nothing, only hope that he had been still within him. And he had saw the goodness that was in his house. And his prayers went with him and followed him around the world until it finally brought him back to his senses. And he said, I will return. And first he did, but the Father saw him and had compassion on him. I think we ought to stop there long enough to realize what was coming back to the Father's house. We know what left there. We know what left there was a boy that had had everything, a boy that had had an inheritance, a boy that had kingly robes and clothes and shoes on his feet. A boy that had an inheritance as well as an now procession. And he left there in good, perfect health. Well-schooled, well-oriented in world affairs. That's the type of boy that left. And we need to stop long enough to some way get a brief resume in our minds That's the type of boy that was coming home. And if we could, we'd recognize here was a broken individual. Here was a heart that had cried out and sought from home. Here was a boy that didn't even have any shoes, had had sold a ring, which was a, a, a signet of his father's tribe or his house. And he was tattered and torn and bruised, and starving in body as well as in spirit. There's no wonder when that father saw that boy and his heart moved with compassion on him. This wasn't the same boy that left. That the heart was crying out and it said the father saw him a long ways off and had compassion on him. The father had to feel a move in his heart because his boy was coming home. Now, I don't know oft times why I'm dwelling on these subjects of return, except for one thing. Now, what we need to recognize is this, is when those that have left the Father's house crowned with glory and righteousness and honor and dignity and all of these things, whenever they begin to return, we don't need to expect them to return in the same way they went. They're going to be ragged in a sense. Their righteous garments are going to be gone. They're not going to have any shoes on their feet. They've been reduced to servitude. But friend, one thing they have is in their heart they want to come to the Father's house. And our heart must have compassion. And when it does, it'll cause us to run. It said, first his heart was moved and he ran. And he fell on his neck. In other words, he threw his arms around his neck. And he kissed him much. Because this son had said, I will return. And in order for God to verify his own word, if you will return unto me, I will return unto you. And the son returned. And the father returned to him. And saw him when he was a long way off. And went to meet him. I think there's a lesson in that. And I suppose if I had a title, which I don't, it would simply say, God met him coming back. God met him coming back. God will not force us. No, I'd have to say, he won't even allow us to make that complete journey back by ourselves. He will meet us. He will meet us at the most important, hardest part of the journey. And that is getting close to the Father's house. Now the easiest part, and most of the time it's been priest opposite. Most of the time we say the easiest part, or or the hardest part, was for him to recognize and say, I have sinned. And that was hard in itself. And I don't think that was the hardest part. I think the hardest part was when he got close to his father's house. I I, I realized that it took something to say, I've sinned. And he made that long journey. And there was something in in there that's saying, I want to get to my father's house. But the closer he got to his father's house, the more he recognized his, his inadequacies. The more he recognized his failures. The more he looked at his dress and saw how it was the more he looked at his hand and saw he didn't even have a ring there and he wasn't in his shoes on his feet and he was wondering how can I approach my father in a shape like this? The hardest part was when he got pretty close to the house and yet there's a lesson in there that God is trying to teach us as he did then. The father seeing him a long way off recognizing this would be the hardest part of his journey. The Bible says the father ran and met him, and they returned together. Hallelujah. God will not even allow us to make our journeys back by ourselves. The psalmist David, another good example of somebody that departed from God's laws and what God had in store for him, came crying more than once as he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Had you ever recognized who this was that was talking? This was the king of Israel. This was God's anointed individual. This is one God says will be king. This was God's son. And yet David departed from God's laws and recognized it. And he said, If you'll purge me with hyssop, I'll be clean. If you'll wash me, I will be whiter than snow. And God, according to his word, yeah. thrown himself around his neck and kissed him and washed him and made him clean and set him in a rightful place and authority with him. He says, Create within me a clean heart, O God. A clean heart, O oh God, and renew. Not to make new, but renew a right spirit within me. O oh God, help us to recognize this morning that cries not to the ones, only to it, we didn't see it. We was born in it and we didn't recognize what we had. And the world is filled with individuals like that time and time again. David left his father's house through the lust of the flesh. Time and time again, he acknowledged his sin. And this is what you and I need to work on. All set yourself up if you want to, like Israel of old, and say, wherein shall I return and where have I spoken against you? The Bible says, in so much as you have done it unto the least of these little ones, you have done it unto me. And let me stay here long enough to qualify that statement. Anytime you speak against the least of God's little ones, you have spoken against Him. Now say, Wherein shall I return? And say it with a truthful heart. We can't do it, can we? But we need to recognize it and say, God, yes, 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 I want to return to that place. Time and time again, David acknowledged his sin and began his return only to find God meeting him As he came back, right at the hardest portion of it, God will not allow us to come fully back without his accompanying us. Time and time again, it was written that David was a man after God's own heart. I looked at that, and I thought, what was the difference between David and Cain? Or you say, well, Cain was a murderer. So was David. He didn't actually do it by his own hand, but he gave the command and his blood was upon his shoulders. What was the difference? Looks like sometimes God is a respecter of person, but that's not so. The difference simply remains on the one thing God is trying to get in our heart. In this day and hour, Cain slew his brother, but he made no effort to return to his father's house when she left. he left. He's always the same way. All the evil that he had done, he was only sorry because he didn't get the blessing. He wasn't sorry had he counted his birthright as nothing. And for that reason, he made no effort to return. God would have been there if they'd made the effort to return. He would have been there. He was bound by his word that he would. And the same way with Judas, who made no effort to return at all. Now, I have an imagination sometimes. And if this imagination would allow me this morning... I would like to say with all of these that's represented by Cain and Esau and Judas, and there's many, many, many more that I won't have time this morning to get into, and I would imagine after they had did that evil in God's sight, after in a sense they'd left the Father's house, I would imagine that we could see Almighty God and the Father in a sense standing, waiting and watching, keeping the bells of doom from ringing their last toll until finally... He looked down an empty road and saw no one coming. And then there was no hope. And as long as God's eye is straining to see somebody come back and there's somebody coming down that road, brother, he'll go out to meet them. Whether you like it or I like it, he'll still be there with his power and with his presence. And he'll have compassion because he sees that unsightly thing that's been away from him and knows that it needs him more than it ever needed him before in the history of his time and his being. And he said, I'll go to meet him and he did perhaps this morning an empty road is about all he sees on some of us oh you haven't killed anybody you haven't been an adulterer or an adulteress what about it what about some of the areas that was one time yours You've allowed the lust of the flesh, the mind of man, to draw you from them. God is not pronouncing doom and judgment on you. He reaches into your heart simply because He's looking down that road and He wants to see you. He's watching for you. He's waiting for you. And all He wants to do is catch a glimpse of you. And brother, He'll run to where you're at and he'll help you complete that last hard phase of that journey coming back into his house under the hatred staring eyes of the servants and especially his elder brother who had been in the house all the time had never left but let's be careful here sometimes in a sense you can stay in the father's house And still be out from under his rigid rules and desires that he has for your heart. And the hardest part of this was for him to face his father. And his father made it easy for him. He let him to know who he was and what he was. And then he had to come and face the household. The people that he left, he had to look them in the face. He'd made his brags. He'd said, if I can ever get out of this. If I can ever get my freedom and get out from under these rigid laws that's in that my Father has imposed on me. If I can ever get what belongs to me, I'll take control of it and I'll make something out of my life. He spoke it to the servants. He spoke it to his brother. He spoke it to the households. And he had to come and face them and say I was wrong. How could I do this? You can't by yourself. I can't by myself. And you remember this, if you want to return, He'll run where you're at and have compassion on you because you're weak and beggarly. And He'll bring you that last mile or two. The hardest part of it, He'll walk right along beside you and let everybody know that you belong to Him. Hallelujah. And you're His. And nobody else dares have any word to say about it. Hallelujah. 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 I can remember times that I have left my father's house. I can identify with it. Pride at times, especially in my early ministry. Pride at times swelled up. I left my father's house thinking perhaps in myself I could accomplish something. Only to find myself a complete idiot and a failure. I had to begin that long, torturous journey. It wasn't hard for me to say, I have sinned. I have sinned. I have sinned. I want to go back to my father's house. I had to begin that long, torturous journey back. I realized I would have to look in the faces of the household of faith and admit to them that I was wrong. I would have never been able to do it by myself and neither will you. But I found as I was coming back from this long road, so to speak, where pride had took me and and in a sense humbled me, as I was coming back, I'd feel the Father's hand. And I would feel that compassion and that love. I am hear him whisper in my ear, fell on my neck, took me around the neck. And the Bible says he kissed him much. And he invited me back. And he said, if you'll return to me, I'll return to you, and he's never failed. I remember uh, times that I was discouraged and walked off from God, even with the words of God ringing in my ear, that the only chance I had was through him, and yet discouragement would cause me to put down the rod and walk away from him. And then the power of God came. I realized I had sinned and I had failed. And I had spoken against God. I had said silently to a world that my God is not able to handle these situations. I'd have to come back. Whenever I came back, there was God there again. He met me coming back. In my confusion when I left him and didn't know where to turn, he met me coming back. In my fleshly lust, When it took me along a side road, He met me coming back in my anxieties and in my failures. When I walked another way, I always found God there meeting me as I came back, returning to me as I returned to Him. And He always will do that as long as there's a desire in us to come back to the Father's house. Now this morning, maybe you're traveling down a road that is leading you away from the Father's house. Maybe you are. Maybe there have been places in your life that you've left, roads that God asked you to follow and you didn't, and it's leading you away from the Father's house. You need to remember all the time your back is turned, He's looking down that same road you left. He hasn't forgot that you one time was his and you was in his house. And you see, when you're at a father's house, he can take care of you. He can clothe you. He can feed you. But when you're not there, all he can do is be anxious for you and let those words ring in your ear. Come back, son, come back. He's looking down the same road, and when he catches a glimpse of coming back. He'll meet you. He'll meet you. And he'll have compassion on you. He'll see you just like you are. Wealth wasted. Health gone. Clothes tattered and torn. Body weak with malnutrition. A tortured soul. But this is has always moved God he really don't care how you look all he wants to see is your face and not your back he don't want to see you walking away from him but anytime anybody wants to come to him every obstacle that's put in the way God will see to it that you can hurdle over them and you're not going to look like you did when you left you're not going to have the same feeling of power responsibility you're not going to have that you're going to be be humbled. you're going to be starving you're going to be wanting the one thing that you never could find wherever you went after you left the father's house You're going to be wanting love. And the Bible says he put his arms around him. And he fell on him and he kissed him much. A father's affection for a wayward child, for any of us, he'll still do the same thing. And he looked at those tattered tattered clothes that he had on. He left with a robe of righteousness. He came back with sin all over him dirty and filthy now father put that robe of righteousness back on him he looked at that son's finger and he noticed the ring which is a signet of honor and dignity he saw this young man completely stripped of his dignity he had been in a hog pen he had been with harlots and he would wasted his body was broken had no honor or dignity left in him at all. But God says, you're back now, son. Put on the ring. Hallelujah. You're, you're honored just like you was. i restore your dignity just like you had when you left. And he came back as a servant. No shoes on his feet. And his father says, put shoes on him because I can't have him as a servant he's a son and he put shoes on his feet and he killed a calf and he had a party because he said my son that was lost has been found he's older now he's thinner now The strains of the world shows on him, but he's still my son, and I'll restore him to his dignity. I'll return to him as he returned. Shall we stand?